0: Welcome to the Financial Flight Plan with Tim Estes and Brie Reyes. When it comes to your financial future, we believe the sky is the limit. We'll give you the proper tools to keep your engine <clears throat> portfolio running smoothly. Let us pilot the answers to some of your toughest financial issues. The Financial Flight Plan starts now. Welcome in. Glad to have you inside the Financial Flight Plan Podcast. I'm Ben George with Bree Reyes at Estes Financials. She's an investor coach and a certified financial planner. Today, Bree, we're going to finish up our conversation on cash flow. We talked about the expenses side last time out on the podcast. Today, the all-important income side.
1: Yes, ca- retirement cash flow, everyone's favorite topic. <laughs>
0: Well, you have to understand income, right? And where it's coming from and, and, and where you're going to get it and how much you have coming in every month, though. It's such an important piece of it.
1: So, so important. So, so important. And making sure you have a little leftover for fun.
0: Exactly. Speaking fun is of, always important. let was going to say, speaking of fun, what, you, what you've been up to that's been fun?
1: I, my husband and I went to a Blink Waiting e 2 concert oh, really? um, last week. <laughs> and I realized then. You know you are getting old, especially when you're kind of a rock kid. Yeah. When, first of all, your first thing was you buy your merch. Right. Because you are not standing in line after a show. <laughs> you want to go home. Right. Uh, I didn't put on the merch like a lot of other people did, because when I was cool, you weren't, like, you didn't wear the merch to the show the right. merch came yeah. from.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you can't
1: do that. But apparently that rule is gone. Hmm. So we bought our merch. Then we found a concession stand to buy waters. <laughs> and lastly, I had to walk around and find the customer service area to get earplugs. Oh man. Because my forgotten mine. <laughs> and I was wearing more orthotic sneakers.
0: Oh goodness. Bree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and looking forward to sitting in my seat and you know what I, I i was joking and felt kind of bad about it until the band came out on stage and blink is a high energy alternative rock grunge i don't know pop band yeah. Um not sure exactly what category they fit in but um all that they brought for them on stage was water too and they started <laughs> the show on time <laughs> and then they didn't pull that, hey, we're going to go step behind the stage and you have to call us out for an encore crap. Right, they yeah. flat out said, we are not, we're supposed to be done with the show now. We're going to go ahead and play three more songs because it's in our contract, but we don't want to do that either. So can you just yell like this is the final song? <laughs> uh, and they all sat down at one point in time during the
0: show. Wow. Wow. You're making me feel old, Brie. You're making me feel pretty old right now.
1: Oh my God! We're here. as long as we're all here together. As long as we were all here together, and no one the mosh pit, nobody actually moshed. There was no punching. There was no kicking. It was more of a standing only situation down there, which we didn't do because um, remember I mentioned orthotic sneakers. Right,
0: right. I have to ask. I, I'd forgotten because they don't seem like it's been that long since they were very, very popular. I know they're still popular, but they're in their prime. But it was in the late 90s. Are they Is this considered classic rock now for the kids? Is, is, have we gotten to that point? It yet? is. Oh, man.
1: We are officially classic rock.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: We are officially classic. It's a sad rock. day. It was, it was, yeah, it was kind of a sad day, but at the same time, I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was like going to an Eagles concert when we were growing up. Is that what it's like?
1: Yeah, basically, yeah. We were in the <laughs> air conditioning. <laughs> Oh, I mean, if I could have had them turned on the, this, the amp just a teeny tiny bit, that would have made it perfect. <laughs> but I, I didn't feel like I should should complain very much. Uh,
0: well, it sounds like you had a good time, at least.
1: Oh, we had a fabulous time, but we also are recognizing and accepting our um, our age.
0: <laughs> With age comes wisdom, I guess, right? So. That's exactly. What we to to.
1: Exactly.
0: Well, uh, man, I, I, I'm going to get into. It. I'm going to change the subject because I feel old, Bree. I feel very old at this point because I I can relate to everything you're talking about right now. So, well, look, yeah, we got a good show for you today. It's again continuing a conversation we had last time out. So, if you haven't heard the last podcast on the expenses portion of mastering cash flow in retirement, you can go back to our last show and check that out. It's a uh, it's really a two part conversation. They go hand in hand, but you don't need to listen to that. one first necessarily to get this episode under your belt. So we'll jump into the income side. Again, this is such a big piece of the puzzle in retirement to make sure you are not going to run out of money, right? So we want to kind of tackle some of these ins and outs and make sure you understand the crucial role of income analysis as well, and really kind of differentiate between guaranteed and... Uh, and uncertain income that's coming in as well. So again, this is a, a big piece and we want you to completely understand this. But if you have questions as we go through this and, and want to talk to Bree about your income plan and or get it started, if you haven't done that yet, you can always log on, estisfinancial.net <laughs> or give her a call, 817-444-8402. So Bree, just right up front, why why is this so critical for financial stability, understanding this income piece?
1: Oh my goodness, because everything comes from it um if we don't have a clear picture of what our income is coming in how are we going to plan for those wonderful expenses we talked about last time hmm. um how, you know we don't want to be trying to time the market we want to kind of know where all of our money's coming in and so income planning is is critical
0: and just to kind of give people a sense of you know beyond that why we're talking about it, what are what's some things that could happen if you don't have a clear picture of your retirement income
1: it's the age old thing and it's everybody's biggest fear running out of money and being dependent solely on social security
0: i want to be in that boat for sure so yeah. there are a lot of different sources of income uh you can structure an income plan in many different ways uh, depending on you know what you have as an individual so let's talk about some of those examples what where where are what are some of the different sources you might find for income and retirement
1: Well, a lot of the ones we see for our clients, um, because we work with a lot of federal employees and people with pensions, their pension is a source of guaranteed income in retirement. For most Americans, Social Security is a source. Well, for everybody, Social Security is a source of guaranteed income in retirement, at least in its current form in 2023. Some people use 401ks. IRAs, lump sum distributions. Some people use annuities. Some have dividends. There's lots of different ways. And the number one I've seen thing I've seen a lot lately has been rental income as a source of income in retirement and part time work. Retirement is not retire and sit at home and watch Maury Povich anymore. I don't even know if Maury's still on. <laughs> Man, I'm dating Going myself. Going back to the '90s today, again, Maury. <laughs> I really am. Um, Or Sally, Jesse Raphael. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, it's not that anymore. It's not sitting at home for a couple of years, chilling, seeing your family and then passing on. People are living 20, 30 years in retirement. And so it's, and they're finding they they want to work, they enjoy maybe a part time gig or something that's less stressed than their normal full time career. And that income Can be income. Heck, uh, an Etsy store where you sell things you make. There we go. That's part time income. All of this can add in together.
0: Yeah. As you can tell, there's a lot of different opportunities for income. And I think we, you know, even have more of that today than maybe say 25, 30 years ago, as you talked about. Oh,
1: definitely. Well, because we've got more of a gig economy now. Yeah. I mean, I had somebody who delivered food to the office earlier this week that was a retiree, and I asked him. I was like, "Why are you doing this?" And I'm like, "Oh, for fun. Cool. No <laughs> hey, judgment. Yeah. I mean, awesome. Get out of the house. Keep your mind active." Yeah,
0: that's the thing. There's so many opportunities there. Why not take advantage? Well, when you're when you're structuring this, then do you prefer, um, in general, to have someone focus on? one or two sources of income to really build out that plan? Or do you like the idea of having a diversity of sources?
1: I like the idea of having a diversity of sources. Um, for example, some the client I'm working with today, they, have a, they are federal employees. So they have a pension. They also have Social Security. They also have a retirement plan that we're going to, to turn some of that in as income. They also have rental income. So we're talking about quite a few different sources of income there and the different sources of income can cover different types of needs. The other thing is some of those sources of income are taxed differently than others. So that's always something to think about because social security is only taxed up to 85% of social security is eligible for taxation.
0: All right, we're talking about income. This is uh, half of the cash flow discussion. Well, everyone loves the idea of guaranteed income in retirement. You want to know what's coming in, that you're going to have it coming in every single month. So, explain what kind of classifies as that, and how should someone kind of balance that guaranteed portion with their non guaranteed income.
1: Okay, so there. So guaranteed income is income that you're going to have that you know is going to come in every month on a certain day, and it is going to be the same amount every month. And it can come from a mixture of different places. It can come from Social Security is a source of guaranteed income. That pension I mentioned is a source of guaranteed income. Um, annuities, great source of guaranteed income. Those are times that it's it's not going to defer. It's not going or not. It's not going to vary. Sorry, not differ. It's not going to vary. Non-guaranteed income. We're talking about maybe distributions from IRAs, 401ks, TSPs. I mean, that that's income that we can actually change how much we're taking per month. Dividends as well. They are not guaranteed. So they are non-guaranteed sources of income. And quite frankly, I don't consider rental income or part-time work guaranteed sources of income either because... What happens if your rental unit sits empty for six months? You're out that money, or mm-hmm. uh, work is slow, or something like that, and you don't get the hours that you're used to. So it, these are all these all can be these numbers can differ for the non guaranteed sources of income, and it's good to have a mix of both. I had a client just the other day, well yesterday in fact, a prospect that came in, and she had taken all of her money. She had a pension from her previous employer she had social security she had uh, and then all of her 401k or her investment retirement money she had put in various annuities and she had turned them all on as income streams so they were all paying her a certain amount per month and the reason she came to me is she had realized that certain amount per month had not kept up with inflation for the last couple of years Hmm. And she suddenly needs more money. Well, once you turn on those income streams, the way she did, the lifetime guaranteed lifetime benefits she turned on, we can't adjust how much money she's getting out of her annuities. We can't call her former employer and say, hey, I'd like an extra grand a month out of my pension, please. Yeah. There's no negotiating with Social Security. So she had done all of these sources of guaranteed income, but none of them kept pace with inflation. And now she's finding her checks a little light every month. So now we have got to go back and have that expense conversation you and I had last month about which of these expenses are essential and which of these can be cut.
0: Yeah, that's the other piece of it too, right? And you, you we we really talked through like needs and wants on our last episode and and kind of how to classify that, because we all can justify a purchase, right, or an expense. Oh, I do really need this. This is, this is important right now. So <laughs> when you're working with your income plan, how, how do you kind of negotiate that, I guess, that paycheck versus playcheck concept where you have these, these needs, but you also have these wants? How do you kind of make sure what's the need is covered and the wants, yeah, hopefully, if you can?
1: Yeah, the the paycheck versus playcheck is always kind of fun. The the paycheck items are our necessities. <laughs> this is our water bill, our electric bill, our food, our gas, our shelter, all that stuff. And typically, we want to cover these items with guaranteed income. We want to make sure the guaranteed income is covering those items. The playcheck or our non essential discretionary items those that's what we want to cover by guaranteed uh, non-guaranteed income this is what we want to be able to cover by ira distributions that type of thing dividends rental income part-time work our trips our fun money our mad money all the fun stuff that you want to do in retirement needs to be able to be paid from that non-guaranteed portion
0: So, so very important that you have those, those needs covered every single month. All right. Kind of last thing you touched on uh, some of the strategies with guaranteed income, but are the strategies for trying to maximize that guaranteed income? Is that different than the approach you take with the non-guaranteed income?
1: When I'm looking at strategies for maximizing guaranteed income, we're going to look at when we maybe take some of the guaranteed income. We're going to look at cost of living. There's all kinds of different options when we're looking at guaranteed income and guaranteed strategies. Oh, especially for Social Security. When we're looking at the non-guaranteed income, we want to be able to keep pace. That's where we're going to try to keep pace with inflation. That's our inflation fighter. That is what helps us make sure we can keep and pay our bills, but also be able to live the life that we want in retirement. And so they do. There's very different strategies for both sides when I'm looking at different income streams.
0: Very good. Well, this is just one piece again of the cash flow discussion. The other part, expenses, you can hear us go into that in depth on our last podcast, so check that out if you haven't already. If you have questions for Brie, log on at or you can always call at 817-444-8402. And Bree, when you're talking about managing cash flow, taxes are going to have a part of that as well aren't they
1: yes they're gonna have a huge part of that as well i mean that's when i talk about that non-guaranteed income that's where we're gonna get the extra money to pay those rising taxes that i expect us to have in retirement to pay to keep pace with inflation to keep our life and our standard of living where we want and so that's why we have the the ticking tax time bomb toolkit for clients that's it's a book, The Seven Lessons to Save Your Retirement and a couple other things that kind of help talk about taxes and retirement and how they work together because they need to be thought about in conjunction, not just one or the other.
0: Again, if you want to get your hands on that ticking tax time bomb, just get in touch with Bree, log on SSFinancial.net, shoot her an email and we'll send that out to you. All right,
1: eight one seven.
0: Go
1: 817-444-8402 to get the ticking tax, bo- tax time bomb toolkit. Man, that is hard to say some
0: days. <laughs> <laughs> one of those days, one of those days. All right, but it is a great tool and a great resource. And uh, we've had some good feedback on people that have reached out uh, to get that. And it's just our thank you for listening to the podcast. All right, let's transition now. Getting to know Bree away from the office. We ask her a question, a random question every week. We've got a, a very random one this week. What subject it might seem pretty random Bree, to most of us. Uh do you know a lot about Formula 1? Oh, okay. <laughs> do you watch the Netflix show?
1: I I watched Drive to Survive. That's what got me into it. My biological father loves car racing, and I hated car racing growing up, partially because of his love for it, I'm going to admit. And I mean, we live not I mean, we live in North Texas. I live in Fort Worth. We have the Texas Motor Speedway here in Fort Worth, and I have gone out there and enjoyed Um, a race, but it, it's never really, really appealed to me until I did watch drive to survive. And then I got sucked in, not just for the soap opera that Netflix makes, makes it, but all, but the business aspect of everything, the, the teams and the money and the money caps and how they spend their money to the best to make sure they're doing, um, putting it for the best interest of the team and just all these different things. Mm-hmm. So now I've gotten to become kind of a formula one nerd uh, to the point that my husband's like, whoa, Bree. <laughs> Cause I walked in the door the other day and I was like, Oh my God, you'll never believe. And he's like, I've already seen the news. Daniel <laughs> Ricardo is racing for Alpha Tori. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> says, when did you become this person? That's but amazing. I, that's, I know more about F1 than I do about American football. Really? Professionally. Okay. Professionally. I yeah. know quite a bit about American college football, but not professional football. I know I know more about F1 than that. Yeah. It also helps that there's only 20 players in F1.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a big part of it. <laughs> I know I know you're obviously you don't spend a lot of time in Austin probably as a Texas A&M grad, but do you, will you make your way down or did you make your way down for the race? We what are going there? to
1: make our way down not this year but probably next. Um awesome. although my, my husband and I were talking about it. We, we also wanted to go to Vegas. Yeah. Um, although my husband and I were talking about it, it's almost cheaper sometimes to do some of these European r- races or even the British Grand Prix um, because tickets to Austin are not cheap. Even though we live here and we get to avoid airfare, still the hotel and then the grounds, grandstands tickets and all that is bloody expensive. It's actually cheaper to go see a race in Europe.
0: Wow yeah Vegas looks like Vegas race looks like it'll be a lot of fun pretty pretty wild stuff well that's pretty cool
1: yeah I'm thinking that's gonna be nuts
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) well I know a lot of people that have kind of followed that same path like uh discover the show on Netflix learn a lot about it and then boom all of a sudden you find yourself watching races early Sunday morning pretty free oh no
1: I'm I'm so bad I watch practice I watch qualifying (laughs) and I watch the race but here's what I do I record it and then I, I I sew during it. So like I'm working on my state fair project right now during while it's playing in the background. I got you. And okay. then the only time I really really has my attention is either Q3 qualifying three, or the actual race on Sunday. And even then, if it's kind of if Max is way too far out front, then I'll just continue to sew. <laughs> I'm not a Max fan, by the way. I'm probably the only person in the world.
0: There are people probably. Sorry, listening Max. On. What in the world are they talking about right now? You are in deep, Brie. You you were not lying. You are not lying. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's jump into the mailbag. Get a question before we close out today's episode of the Financial Flight Plan podcast. And the question this week comes from Vicky, who says, "How can I tell if a financial advisor is actually qualified or not?" My brother-in-law just informed us that he's now a financial advisor, but just a month ago, he was calling himself a life coach who happened to work part-time at a Starbucks. So if he's a financial advisor all of a sudden, it makes me a little bit skeptical of the entire industry.
1: Whoa. He sounds like he is a busy, busy boy, Vicki. Hmm. Um, The first place I tell people, and I tell people all the time they need to check out the people that they're talking to um, when it comes to their money it's it's amazing how trusting people are and maybe i'm just not but my favorite place and the place i send to everybody when they ask me this question is BrokerCheck, um b-r-o-k-e-r c-h-e-c-k dot finra f-i-n-r-a dot org and right there at brokercheck.finra.org you can put in an individual's name and then hit search and you can see, I'll just put in mine right now. You can see that there is only one Britta Eileen Reyes, 21 people though. And I searched Bree. it still pulls up my legal name. No one's really allowed to call me Britta except for dad and hmm. he does it to drive me nuts sometimes. And you can see that I have 13 years of experience with three different firms. Uh, For my securities license, I originally got my securities license in November of 2004. And it shows where I've worked my entire career, even through Estes Financial, and where I am now. And if I had had any customer complaints, under disclosures is where you would see customer complaints or anything that someone has to disclose. Hmm mine is clean i have zero disclosures uh talks about the three exams passed it talks about the uh, state licenses and now i'm not a, a broker anymore i am a registered investment advisor and so it says hey i was a broker previously now i'm an investment advisor and then it sends you to the securities and exchange commission site where my securities and exchange my Securities and Exchange Commission information is, is my investment advisor information is there as well. Hmm. And there you can see I have 18 years of experience four firms because broker check stops when we gave up our brokerage license. And so it's got all the years of experience here because I truly do have 18 four firms, the three tests I've taken, the one state test. And if you just want to skip and you want to go straight to. The sec and you want to skip broker check in case of a situation like someone like me where they were a broker in a previous life but now they're just a registered rep yeah. that website is advisor info dot sec dot g-o-v and you could type in my name you could type under or you could go in, under individual or you could go under firm and type in estes this is where you should do some research. You should do some digging. Also, if somebody says that they have the CFP credentials, go to the CFP website and check there. It's
0: hmm. great advice. Again, we'll Make put sure
1: th- they actually have the credentials. You'd be amazed how many people I know will lie about that kind of thing.
0: Oh, I'm sure. We'll drop those links in the show notes again. BrokerCheck.com. What was the other one, Bree?
1: AdvisorInfo
0: sec.gov. Okay. We'll drop those in the show notes so you can check those out. Those, those are great tools that you might not be aware of to look somebody up and and learn more about them, but everything can be found there. But a very good question, Vicky, And, and rightfully uh, you have a, a reason to be skeptical, um, but hopefully that will help you out. If you want to learn more about Brace, sit down with her and get to know her a little bit better. The best thing to do is schedule a meeting. You can always do that at EstesFinancial.net, or you can give them a call at 817 444 8402 all right brie very good a great conversation today and I'm still still hung up on the classic rock link 182 concert i'm glad
1: you knew. yeah i don't come off as a rock kid very often but i ain't there you go and everybody listening go out and lead an abundant life